Welcome to another season of Digging Deeper, a podcast of Perimeter Church in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm Senior Pastor Jeff Norris here with my co-host, Laura Story Elvington, and we're excited to be back in your earbuds and your streaming platforms. But we're changing things up just a little bit for this short four-week mini-series that we're calling Unshakable. We're going to be sitting down with four different guests as they share their stories of how walking through a shaky season of life has further revealed the unshakable character of God. And we pray that you'll both find hope and encouragement in these testimonies as you're drawn back to the truth of God's unshakable character in whatever season of life you may be walking through. So let's dig in. Hey guys, it's Laura Story Elvington with the Digging Deeper podcast. And I am here by myself because Jeff Norris, who who really is with me in spirit, um, joining us via his iPhone, um, his family's at the beach. Jeff? I'm glad. Hey, I'm glad for would, you. Wouldn't you say that I'm with you more than just in spirit? I'm I'm with you in technology as well. Yeah, I'm I'm just fighting right? a little bit of bitterness that I I'm here and you're yeah. at the beach. Yeah. Well, if it makes you feel any better, uh, it's 40 degrees outside. <laughs> so uh, we drove we drove to the beach just to basically mostly sit inside. So, um, but. Uh, no, I'm glad we're doing it. We had originally planned to do this episode with our awesome guest who's going to be joining us in a few minutes. We had uh, originally planned to record it previous to this, but um, we had some delays uh, based on our guest schedule. And so uh, she was able to say, hey, I'm available today. And uh, we said, yeah, let's do it. it. Doesn't matter where I am. I'd love to join. So well, I love that we're going to be talking about anxiety um, since you're just living this anxiety-free life at the beach. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to give you a hard yeah. time about it anymore. But let's, yeah. um, no further ado. I'm, by the way, hey, I'm I'm looking, literally, I'm not going to show you, but I, right there is the beach. Okay. I so, truly don't um, want to hear. hear maybe, <laughs> maybe she can talk to us also about like bitterness and resentment. One of there us might be struggling with that right now. Um, <laughs> But no further ado, let's welcome our guest, Rebecca Lyons. So welcome, Rebecca Lyons, author, speaker, fellow podcaster, mom of four. Is that yes, correct? Four. Crazy. So not, so not very busy. Not very no, busy person. Not at all. Especially <laughs> when two of them are home right now from college. It feels like we got used to two again, and then now we doubled again. <laughs> Wow. And, and countless books um, that I will get to that towards the end, because I want to make sure that whoever's listening knows how to hear more from you. Um, but one of the reasons why your name came to mind, um, really, for for a lot of the people who were kind of planning this series, we are doing a series um, called Unshakable. Mm. And one of uh, the, the themes we wanted to touch to touch on that so many people can relate with is when we feel shaken by anxiety. Good. Uh, and I know that I'm just diving right in, but this is something that you have written a lot about. Why is this topic so close to your heart? Yeah, I think anxiety is, you know, now it's impacting so many of us, but for me, it really, the onset of that happened in 2010. So 14 years ago feels like a real long time ago. Um, so I think I almost feel like I have a vantage point of it that's a little unique in that 
uh, it was early on. The church really wasn't talking about anxiety back in 2010 as much. And yeah. it certainly wasn't like a public thing. Mental health was still on the rise, but not to the degree it is now because we're at 17 years since the invention of the iPhone. So, so much of where we live as a society um, with anxiety, it mirrors the, 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 the rise of the smartphone, the rise of our use of devices, as we know with our kids. So I feel like I, I kind of started experiences prior or the very front end of that, um, which has made it near and dear to me, obviously, because I've seen kind of that rise and I've watched it and I've, um, always wanted our faith to play a vital role in that conversation, not just the pragmatics of neuroscience and how the brain is wired. I mean, we can look at that, but God is the master scientist and he did make our brains and he is also um, in Christ, our Prince of Peace. So I think I'm glad to have these conversations now in a normalized way with the church and, um, the, the science all in the same uh, conversation, because it's very important that we look at it um, in a holistic way of, of God's healing through the redemptive work of what we now understand about the brain. <laughs> um, and so that's good, because really, honestly, in the last 20 years, we've also understood that the brain is now malleable, and it actually is a regenerative organ, just like other organs in our bodies. And so just like trauma can damage injured neurons in our brain, um, so can regulating rhythms repair and rebuild and regrow those neurons and those neuro pathways. So I have so much optimism now um, for the healing of anxiety, the healing of depression, the healing of um, um, int intrusive thoughts or OCD or ADHD, because all of this still is a diagnosis helps us understand what we've come against, but it has nothing to do with who we are. That's a yes. siren. Wow. In downtown Franklin. We're really wild right here. Sorry about that, guys. <laughs> No, you're That's fine. Okay. Okay, so, so take us back. You said early on in the church uh, growing in awareness. So what did that look like? Yeah. So what did that look like for you? You're walking mm -hmm. through something. You're trying to understand how your faith plays a role in it. What did that look like for you early on? So I think I was so encouraged that while I experienced what was happening uh, neurologically, it happens for so many people, you hmm. find yourself in an acute state of an environment that's uh, a free fall, quite frankly. And it might just like you find yourself caught like so many did in 2020 in an environment you didn't ask for or plan for or imagine. And all of a sudden you're nose diving. Yeah. We call it crash and burn, dark night of the soul. Like it can look a lot of different ways, but it's usually something that's unexpected, unprecedented. And our brains are doing exactly what they ought to be doing. They're responding in an appropriate way to some form of an early onset of acute, some form of trauma. And so for me, what triggered New York City was that we left our comforts of Atlanta. We'd lived there 13 years, had all our kids there. I was very Christian subculture. Everything was comfortable, predictable. And then we sell 75% of what we have and we leave all of our community and we move to New York City. So most people would be like, okay, you should probably prepare for that a little bit emotionally. 
And <laughs> while we felt very much called by God to do this, um, our work is very much about engaging Christians on the front lines of culture. And um, we're thinkmedia.com now, but at the time it was called Q. And um, and we found that people would intersect with faith in um, arts, media, government, policy, education. All the people we were serving were coming through the city all the time. So we're like, let's go be like practice what we preach and live this way. And I just wasn't quite prepared for I'm, I'm very much an optimist out the gates and I don't really consider the fallout, which I think is to our benefit, because that's when we really are clinging to God. And sometimes if we weigh all the outcomes too soon, we won't risk. And so I'm glad and grateful that we risked, but it definitely was a traumatic um, thing. And for, my, for me, we went from selling out all our things, losing our home, our family, all our friends, our community. And then we are on an island of 8 million people in the span of 11 miles. And there's no personal space. There's no southern charm there's there's no, there's no like you know social graces there's just no appropriate like you know even just a bit personal space on a on a subway or anything and i just found that everything that had maybe been lying dormant inside was new york was the pressure cooker that pushed all that to the surface and 9 years prior we had had our son cade um with special needs. And that was a very traumatic day. And he was born at Northside hospital. And I, you know, I had a double, um, basically two epidurals within 20 minutes in a high block and smothering on the table. And I felt like I was dying in that emergency C-section failure to thrive. So I think all the things that began nine years prior, almost kind of all just kind of my, my, my brain reacted in a way that's like, this feels like that, like a smothering, um, a trapped and powerless feeling. And often when we feel like mine was panic attacks, but some people don't have panic attacks that are acute where your body just rushes to 160 to 180 beats per minute in your heart. Um, sometimes it's just low grade anxiety. So there's a spectrum of, of like the intensity, but no matter what the spectrum looks like, we find ourselves, all of us, in a season that that where our body's mm -hmm. not responding appropriately in the way that we used to, and the way it was described to me at the time was that our bodies can no longer contain the emotional unrest within, and the brain is therefore just a barometer. It's what I call a barometer, right? A barometer is an instrument that measures atmospheric pressure, and the barometer is just telling you, you all is not well. Like you are in an environment of some form of a, like you're being compressed, right? And I write about this in my latest book on resilience, that the definition of resilience is uh, to resume an original position after a season of compression or being bent or squeezed. And so what happens is we find ourselves being squeezed or compressed without an end date. And that's very much what New York felt like. We had left everything. We had signed a two-year lease. And all of a sudden, four months in, I'm having these debilitating panic attacks with no end in sight. Yeah, gosh, I've got to jump in here and just say I am so grateful for this conversation because, and I'm over here, I don't know if you can see me just nodding constantly because there are so many um, similarities and even sameness to what I walked through. Gosh, I was just jotting down on my paper here. It was 20 years ago. It was 2002 and 2003 for me, but so many similarities 
Um, and those who are listening who are perimeter folks and members or attenders have heard me mention uh, the the battle and journey I've had with anxiety. And um, But what you're saying about Manhattan and really all the, the nine years even previous leading up to that, and it was kind of the culmination, mm-hmm. uh, just so very similar. I, won't, I, won't, I, won't, I want our people to hear from you, but I'll just a quick recap is Rachel and I got married. Uh, we had been in Tuscaloosa where we had met as college students. We had deep abiding community there. We loved life there. We joined staff with crew and we moved not to Manhattan, but to Mississippi. And uh, we moved to Hattiesburg, very different than, than uh, Manhattan. But exactly like you're talking about, within a matter of months there, we felt really isolated. We felt really alone. We had left everything we had known. Uh, we were newlyweds trying to figure out how to be buried. And out of the blue, at least it seemed out of the blue to me, I started having anxiety attacks, but also with low-grade anxiety in general. And, um, and my whole life just turned upside down. I started having all kinds of physical manifestations in terms of just things that I thought was brain tumor and heart attack and you name it, I thought it was happening to me. And I panicked it over and over and over again, lost tons of weight, um, just all the things. So, and my journey to healing was, was, was a long one. But let me ask you this, Rebecca, because having walked that road, one of the things that was so hard for me was because, I mean, here I was a minister of the gospel, trying to tell college students about Jesus and what it means to walk with him. And then I was just spiraling. And whenever someone would talk to me about that, the answer to what I was experiencing was faith or believe harder or pray more or what sin are you not confessing or, you know, all those type things, spiritual answers to what felt like non-spiritual problems. Um, What do you say to that? How do you help people process through that? Well, I'm all over the map on this, but you know, I did find rescue in that year after about, about a year and a half, not quite one night. I do remember I was crying out to God a lot and it was just kind of like, all I heard was stay. <laughs> I was like, stay where? Yeah. Are you in New York? No, I want to run back to Atlanta immediately. Um, and I just knew that the Lord was pruning and refining something, but why did it have to be so scary? And I think the anxiety that follows the panic disorder mm-hmm. or the anxiety disorder is that you're just so afraid of the environment that will elicit that response again. I was more afraid of me. And when I when it would rage through me than I was of the elevator or the subway or the crowd or the train, anything enclosed. And what I want to remind people is when you feel triggered in whatever season you have, whether it was mine or Jeff's, it's, it's because the lower brain can't tell time. And so the base of our brain, the brainstem is basically what's in, it's our primal like response. It regulates our survival, right? It's our survival instinct. So it regulates our breathing, our pulse, that's why an immediate acute onset will be a rapid, like shallow breathing. Or, um, it will be an elevated heart rate. It's just your brain is. And so what happens if you if you come into an environment or you encounter something that somehow reminds you or triggers something from your past that was scary. Um, and it could be, it literally could just be a metaphor where you might have felt trapped or powerless or alone mm-hmm. or afraid somewhere in your history is that what it wants to do, the lower brain wants to take you back to that moment, whether or not you remember it and just go, this is not okay. 
like something's not okay Mm. here. And it's trying to protect you and give you an alert like, oh, you're entering an environment that when you were young was kind of scary or um, uncertain. And it's trying to just make sure that you don't do that. (laughs) But what what we do as kids is we disassociate, right? Like whatever the thing was that might've made us scared or made us feel frightened or need to have that survival instinct um, primed, the brain, that helped us as kids. The problem is, is if we don't go back to those unhealed places as adults, it doesn't serve us well as adults. Like what helped us survive and get through and become resilient as kids actually debilitate us as result as adults, because we have to still go back and revisit what are the places. And so I had to go in counseling and go, Holy spirit, even this is biblical counseling. Like what are the places that there might've even been a metaphor where I felt trapped or powerless in my upbringing? Maybe I didn't have a voice in certain environments. Maybe, maybe I, um, didn't see resolve in certain things I was really praying for or longing for as a kid. It doesn't have to mean like an acute abuse situation. It could literally just mean the the air I breathed and the environment I, I my formation created some of these fears or anxieties in me as a kid that I kind of put over here in the corner that now my brain is feeling triggered by and reminding me of as an adult. And that's kind of the best way I see it, because if that is indeed true, then while the brain is doing the science that it should be doing, at the same time, I should, with my faith, go back to God and Holy Spirit and Jesus and go, Jesus, what are the memories that you are kind of triggering? Where were you in those memories? How can I actually re- almost relive those in a way where you are very physically like you are present with me and how you are holding me or rescuing me or redeeming me. And so I really truly believe that the brain, because it is part of God's creation as he knit in our mother's womb, he very much intends for a holistic healing. It doesn't mean that medicine can't help you for a season, just even be willing to go back to those old memories. Um, But what it does mean, and it doesn't mean that you just pray and you ignore like what the doctor's saying, it just means that they work together. God uses all things together for our good and his glory. And he, because he is the master Jehovah Rapha, the heal, that the God who heals, he uses all means necessary for our healing. And so for me, after about a year, I do remember a specific moment where some girlfriends prayed over me. My husband prayed over me. I woke up from a dream in the middle of the night like intense panic attack. I knew some of it was historical. It was, I was being having some dreams that was actually God going, pay attention to this. And I just remember sitting up in bed and like crying out with my arm raised. I said, rescue me, deliver me. I cannot do this without you. And in that specific moment, my body broke on the bed and all was still. It kind of pulled me immediately out of a panic attack for the first time ever. Normally I would run from the environment that caused it. And I felt like the weight of God's glory in that moment. And all that meant was, okay, like, I don't know, I wouldn't have called it healing at the time. I don't know why some people would have an encounter like that. Some, some, some is more gradual. For me, I didn't have another one for seven years. It really was a moment of Psalm 18, like where he says, 
you know, you rescued me because you delighted in me. And with my God, I can attack a barrier. And it really truly was my psalm for the next seven, eight years. That doesn't mean though, that my brain like forgot what it felt like to feel panic or anxiety. I do still have moments where it's triggered. I have had crazy panic attacks since then, but now I understand that it all actually works together. And my faith journey has deepened my ability to do the cognitive behavioral therapy of getting back on planes every week that used to cause all the panic attacks. And so I just think it's a broader conversation than we allow it to be because we want a bucket of like spiritual health, physical health, relational yeah. health. And while I teach these buckets all the time, the bottom line is it's all integrated. An integrated brain is a healthy brain. And so our faith and our neuroscience and our how, what we put in our bodies, how we move our bodies, how we confess in relationship, how we are vulnerable, all these things actually create, create emotionally well beings. So Rebecca, good. Thank you so much, even just for, uh, first of all, sharing your story, as well as uh, sharing it from both sides, the physiological, chemical side, as well as the spiritual side. Uh, so as you are traveling around and speaking to women who are struggling with these very same issues, what is it that you're telling them? Like, what would be the first step that you're instructing them for, for that woman? Uh, sorry, I shouldn't just say woman, because I know that there's women and men that wake up. Uh, I, I think I, I say I say woman because there's so many girls that I talk to that they wake up anxious every yeah. day. Yeah. Um, what do you say to that person um, as their first step towards health? Well, I would just say when you wake in the middle of the night with an, an anxious thought or a thought of worry, that's 100% like the enemy's prime hour. He tries to attack you when you're vulnerable, when you're trying to rest, when you're actually doing like the replenishment of the brain. The brain actually needs rest for it to, to literally cleanse itself, to wash the debris off from the day prior um, so sleep is a superpower for mental health. And so of course, the enemy would try to get us at three or 4am and just start to create all these anxious thoughts in us. Um, and so you are very much vulnerable. And so I just want to acknowledge that, that you're not alone in this. And this is just an old play. It's like his old trick of the book, because he tries to get you while you're down. <laughs> you're like, I was just... Yeah. Just trying to like do what Psalm 23 says, like he makes me lie down, he leads me behind side. So put these things together. And so I, I am awakened still uh, often. And I'll just say in the middle of the night, and I'll just like last night, I just started reciting Psalm 23. Then all of a sudden my husband's awake and I'm like, well, we're just going to pray. And we're going to always do what we're told in scripture, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God will guard your heart and mind in Christ. So we always, I always just say, Jesus, I thank you that you are the Prince of Peace, right? Like just declare what is true and that I can come under your covering of peace, that I, I can rest in you. And you promise me in your word in John 14 that the peace I give, the world cannot give. Like there's no medication that's gonna give us the kind of peace Jesus gives us. It's not that it's not an aid, but it's not God, right? Um, yeah. it, it becomes a help, but it doesn't become our healer. And our healer is the one who's saying, I'm gonna still come um, 
I'm going to be your peace. And so what I've learned in my life, whether I feel anxious waking in the middle of the night, or I feel anxious for a moment on the plane, like when we're sitting forever and not going anywhere, and I start to feel like that claustrophobia creep back in. I just with my mouth, I confess, I say, I reject and I renounce the spirit of fear. Like, no, you have no right or authority here. Like, because the, the enemy will still come knocking. Jesus doesn't say that I won't promise fear won't come knocking, but I always promise a way of escape so that you'll be able to bear it. And so the way I have to do this head on is if I'm on a plane and I'm seeing like, oh, we're not going to debark for like another 20 minutes on the runway and everyone's starting to stand up and you're like in the back of the plane. That's what triggered my very first panic attack. It takes me right back. The memory of no time takes me right back. I just say out loud, Jesus, I reject and I renounce the spirit of fear. Because 2 Timothy 1 says, I don't give you a spirit of fear. Rebecca, I give you power, love, and a sound mind. So we know that the, yeah. even the temptation is not of God to, to lose our minds, to, to spin out. That is not of God. But God is saying the tempter will still try it. So when it happens, I reject and renounce. And instead, I say, and instead, I submit, I come under a covering of peace. I make a conscious decision to not obey what the enemy is trying to tempt me to do. But instead, I submit to what Jesus has already declared is so that he is my prince of peace and he'll give me a peace the world cannot give. And so I have to consciously trade one for the other because that's really our life, right? The enemy is going to want to always accuse, a steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus says, but I've come have life that you would have it to the full. And we get to decide, mm. even though we're sons and daughters of God, we still get to make a conscious decision in the middle of the moment to go, I reject the temptation that's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. And instead, I am going to choose the life that Jesus has declared is mine. And so it does require a lot of active participation. It just does. It's not going to stop this side of eternity. I'm sorry. My dad passed five years ago. He was a pastor before I was born. He was a Christian school teacher, Sunday school teacher all of his life. And when he died, my mom gave me his, his study Bible. And he had started it two, when I was two years old. And I opened the inside flap. And inside he wrote Depression Stoppers, lined the inside flap with scriptures he would read and meditate wow. on even over himself in his midlife when he struggled with depression. So it's, I would love to just say that the church is never going to struggle, but it's just not true because the tempter wants us to be mute. And he wants us to feel like we're a fraud or we're powerless because we still struggle. But the struggle really isn't our flesh and blood. It's principality and power really waging war to keep us quiet. And so what I just kind of do now, and enemies kind of learn this, is like the more stories he gives me, to like talk about Christ in the middle of it, it's kind of deflating, right? Because he is trying to make me feel crippled or like I'm a fraud. And instead, I'm like, no, because now I understand when a panic attack wants to roll through my body, I can still physiologically feel my heart rate in the 160s to 180s. And I can say Jesus name the entire time. And when it is done, most uh, I write about all this in the resilient life book, there's a chapter called treat anxiety as a friend um, that teaches you resilience, because there's a part in there where I talk about most average, acute onsets of panic attacks only last five to eight minutes, like only last. And then when they're done, and you have fully like just been in the presence of Jesus while your body spun out, 
you're no longer afraid of what that makes you feel. And you more like that has happened to me multiple times where I'm trapped in a situation, the panic attack is done. And I'll sit there for another 40 minutes perfectly fine. And then of course, I'll cry and let down because the adrenaline was so intense. Mm -hmm. But then I'm giving praise. I'm like, God, wow, this must be what it was like in jail for like those early Christians, right? Like they would go under this like duress, their body would still engage it while their mind and their spirit was fixed on Christ. And even the scriptures that come alive that say, I'll keep her in perfect peace whose mind is fixed on me because she trusted me. So we can actually be in situations of terror centered on peace because our mind is centered on God. And that's not to say like, you're going to always have crazy debilitating panic attacks. But what it does mean is I'm no longer intimidated by the spirit of fear that makes me want to run from the environments where the attacks are going to try their, their, their thing, because I'm going to go, no, I actually have my ACE in my back pocket, which is the presence of God. And he is mm, in perfect great. attachment with me. And when I'm in perfect attunement with a father, seeing his gaze, fixing my eyes and my mind on him, it doesn't even matter what is raging in me because I am at perfect peace because you can't feel fear and peace at the same time. You can't feel attach, perfect attachment with the Prince of Peace and terror at the same time. And I think that's how the early martyrs, I'm not saying I'm a martyr, right? But that's how people gave their lives for their faith. They had their mind in such a place where they were not deterred by whatever was coming against them physically. And it makes me cry to think of like that kind of like spirit bravery, right? Like that kind of like, almost existential, like this is Christ in me, the hope of glory, like the, the fall might be around me, but it's Christ in me, the hope of mm -hmm. glory that it's given me the ability to endure. Rebecca, I love, 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 love your passion. That is so just obvious and, and palatable on this topic. And just for your passion for the Lord and the power that he has in us over anxiety. I'll just recap what I'm hearing you say that I have lived myself that is this. And this is what I've told people many times that I've counseled over the years. The power of anxiety resides primarily in two places. The lack of understanding of what's happening in my brain and in my body. You talked about understanding a lot. We have to understand what's actually happening because when we don't understand, we panic and we freak out and it, it just, it just creates the, the spiral cycle more and more. But then the other thing, is the fear, anxiety, if you live in the fear, if you, so for me, when I first had my panic, the first panic attack I had was when I was speaking in front of about 200 fraternity students at Southern Miss University or University of Southern Miss. And what it triggered in me was a deep debilitating fear to ever speak in front of people again, because I had a panic attack in, fr uh, in front of people while I was speaking. And you talk about that. You talk about the enemy wanting to take from us the things that God has gifted us to do. I mean, that was, that's what he had gifted me to do. But then all this. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I don't want to do it anymore. Right. Yeah. And, and so, uh, you talking about the understanding piece, there's healing in that understanding Oh, what's happening in my brainstem, what's happening to me psychologically and physiologically when this happens is huge. But we also know all of life is spiritual in the sense of that Christ reigns over it all. And so how you're pressing into the power of the Prince of Peace in the midst of the fear, overcoming the fear enables you to go back on the plane and enables you to go back into that fraternity house. It enables you to go back to the place that is your greatest fear, right? And so I want to 
I want to uh, pay attention to our time here. You, you've been gracious to give us the time that you have, but my goodness, this is good stuff. Um, one, one other thing I'll say is I think Psalm 23 is God's um, uh, just unbelievable gift to the church for a million reasons, but one of those is to fight anxiety and depression. Um, just a few weeks ago, Andrew Peterson was was here doing his Behold the Lamb, was at Perimeter doing Behold the Lamb, and we chatted a little bit beforehand, beforehand and I know that he would be okay with me sharing this. He said, um, he said, you know, I, I am prone to be anxious at night when I'm trying to sleep. And he said, what I do over and over again and have for years, that is the power over that is I just recite Psalm 23 over and over and over and over again. So I think it's really, really interesting that you said the same thing. Um, Laura, I know you've got one last question for Rebecca yes, before we let her go. I do. Uh, wow. And this has just been so, um, it's been such a sweet time in this moment. And I just know that as people listen to this, they, um, they will be greatly encouraged. Maybe, maybe some of them challenged, like what you, what you said about, sometimes having to go back um, to the hard place in order to to um, gain the healing that you need. I, I really pray that people who are listening that need to take that hard step uh, will do so. But let me ask you, we'll end on kind of a, a fun question. What are you doing now that you're excited about? It could be a new project, a new book tour, or it could be you're making new recipes in your kitchen. What are you excited about right now, Rebecca? Well, I don't know when this podcast comes out, but um, in January, I've got a, like thousands in this community are all doing a 30 day healing rhythm, like healthy rhythm challenge. So we're, you know, a few days then to the new year and everyone, it's just been so sweet to watch because I think um, the holistic healing is not just like me talking about this and somebody listening and writing notes and hearing this podcast. Very much our healing is embodied because the gospel is embodied. And so when we live it out in our everyday lives, whether we're creating something or we're, we're meeting Jesus in the movement or we're um, serving or we're loving or we're feeding our body things and our brain things that are fuel versus escape or avoidance. Um, all these things are good. Um, as far as a new project that I'm working on is my husband and I are starting a book together, our very first one together. Oh. On, uh, on marriage. And that was really like something that the Lord just kind of kept kind of tapping us. We've done marriage retreats now for three, four years since COVID began together. And it's been one of the most rewarding, not just marriages, but a lot of marriages um, over the last four years. And so I'm excited about that. You know, you, you never want to write a book on something that the enemy can get in and be like, this is where I want to get him. Cause that does every, yeah. every book I've ever written, like the last one on resilience was on adversity. I was like, don't ever do that again. Cause it felt like everything. That could have gone wrong again. <laughs> but, um, we know, we know that who the real enemy is, so we're not worried about it, but, um, that's, that's, I would love prayer for that. And that won't be coming out for another year and a half, but, um, yeah, uh, I have a podcast for if people want to tune in. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I, we also co-host a podcast called Rhythms for Life, where I do talk about these kinds of things. If people are looking um, for just different tools and resources that 
kind of deal more with emotional health in general. Yeah. Um, with faith as our undergirding, I'm very much a convicted person on that. Um, we can have a pagan wellness community, and it's not that there's not truth that's coming out of that community. But why would we try to do it apart from God? I mean, he is our ever li- ever living hope and our everlasting mm-hmm. hope. And so I, I just think, why not double down? And so that's kind of the way that we approach it. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, let me just say, Laura, real quick before you close this out. No, um, I just want to tell those listening, hey, get your get your hands on uh, what Rebecca has written. The, the Her book on resilience is great. Um, highly recommend it. Uh, Rachel has done her rhythms of renewal in terms of just listening to the podcast and app, um, applying many of the things that she teaches. And so um, not just saying that because you're on here with us, Rebecca, but highly recommend your, your stuff. It's a great Thank gift you. to the body of Christ. Thank you. And, um, and yeah, we're, uh, and I'm looking forward to that book that you and Gabe are writing. I, I'm looking Me forward too. to when that comes out in about a Me year. We'll have more of this info in the show notes. Yes, of course. Yeah. We'll, and we'll have more of this info in the show do. notes. Thanks for what you do on a local level, on a national level, um, just leading so faithfully what's right in front of you. I think that's the most resilient we can be. Everything's about being resilient locally. And that's how I end the book is just that like, who are the people God has put in your path for you to serve on the front lines alongside and serve with. And, um, I'm just grateful for what you guys do and what you're doing. And it's, that's the hope. That's the hope of the world is just the local church. So love you guys. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. And, um, Thank you, Jeff, for sharing more of your story. It's encouraging to hear what God has done for you as well. Of course, of course. I'm deeply encouraged by yours as well. Yeah, thanks, Rebecca. Bless you. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Wow, so good. Such wisdom there. Uh, Man, this has been such a neat series. The three that we've done so far and our very last one, speaking of Rachel, You and I have invited Rachel and my husband, Martin, to join us for this very last uh, episode of the series. Yeah, gosh, what a treat it is for Rachel and me, because really what we're doing is we're interviewing you guys about your story and about Martin's story and his journey with overcoming a brain tumor and uh, the healing that's come from that, but also the lingering disabilities and so forth. So anyway, if you if you don't know Laura and Martin's story, you got to tune into that. And if you do know it, uh, you're still going to want to tune in because I think we're going to talk about some things that perhaps might be new to you, or at least you haven't heard and uh, recently that'll be a great blessing to you. So thanks for letting us do that, Laura. Well, it was it was truly a treat for us to do it. So thank you for everyone who listened, whether you're right here in our area or at the beach like Jeff. I hope it was a blessing 